Crafting a Revolution. I'm your co-host, Katie Thompson. Here we share interviews with female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. I'm also the creator of Pen and Chisel, a monthly digital journal for woodworkers, makers, and artisans. You can follow us on Instagram at penandchisel underscore to check out more and subscribe. Today, our guest for Crafting a Revolution is Pam Robinson. Pam is a jewelry artisan from Chicago, Illinois, and to put it simply, her work is breathtaking. There aren't many words to describe how beautiful her work is. Pam is also the education director for the Furniture Society and spends many hours selflessly keeping myself and our wonderful community humming along. Beyond her talents, Pam is also an incredibly kind person who always has something nice to say and can sure find a way to put a smile on your face. I'm delighted to share Pam's story and her work with you. And full warning, you may walk away from this podcast with a warm and fuzzy feeling. If you're not familiar with that, don't worry. It's a good thing. So, but first I'd like to make a huge shout out to our patrons on Patreon. Thank you to Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette at 513 Woodworks, Women of Woodworking, and Katie Thompson, yours truly, Kevin at Lefty's Woodshop, Christy at Twisted Vine, Jeremy at Jeremy Speck, Sammy at Go Samalee, Rachel at Moody Makes, Bonnie at Tool Mom Bonnie and ToolMomStore.com, Laura at Oakley Soap Company, Brandy at Studio Ave, Lee at The Rainbow Carver, Ellen at Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan at Ethan Carter Designs. If you'd like to be a Patreon, hop on over there and contribute just a few bucks a month to help us keep this podcast going and sharing these important stories. Now, let's get to our interview with Pam. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Pam. I am just, I've been waiting for this interview for a long, long time. Those that don't know you should, you are such a lifesaver. I've definitely saved my butt like on a daily basis. Um, just an amazing artist, amazing human. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for asking. I was, I was like, why does she want to interview me? <laughs> but I'm happy to share my story and what I do and why I do it. So yeah. So well, and <laughs> well, you, <laughs> you play such a pivotal role in, you know, our, our, craft industry at large here and but you're one of those people that I feel like um are kind of like working in the background working in your studio working in the shop and you know I'm always kind of looking like all right you know who, who's being quiet because I know they have the most to say so um <laughs> but um so why don't we go ahead and get started and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your work okay all right um my name is Pam Robinson I am a native Chicagoan, born and raised in the city, actually in the city. Um, I did move away a little bit. I went to the Art Institute uh, and got, I went in as a painter and came out as a sculptor. 
and then I went out to, I know, <clears throat> and um, I fell in love. I actually started, I got to know metals. It was really in high school, actually. Um, I was living, I did live down in Florida for a few years in my formative years, and there was all this equipment up on the shelf. And I was like, what is all that? And there was an enameling kiln and some jewelry equipment. And I'm like, well, how do we get to use that? And what is that? Because I had only been painting and drawing. And so they said, well, you have to go to the dean's office and, and get a class together. Okay, how do I do that? Or you need six of your friends. Okay, I'll do that. And so I got six of my friends together in art classes and we, we got to use and we got to enamel, which I was completely in love with. And that is powdered glass fired on metal. And it's a very, you can use it as a very painterly technique. Um, you can do it on steel or on silver, on, on copper. I did it mostly these wall pieces on copper. And I, I completely fell in love and being having a painting background, it was just a natural progression. Um, you can't mix glass like you can paint, but you can layer. So I had a background in color theory, which helped. And so, you know, you know like, well, what colors do you layer over? What colors to get other colors? So I fell in love with that. And then my choosing a college was determined by who had the best painting program and who had a jewelry program or a, enameling classes really. And so the enameling let me into the slight metals and I went to the Art Institute and, and here in Chicago and completely fell in love and immersed myself totally 100%, 24 hours a day, pretty much in school. And then I fell in love, I started working for some jewelers. I worked for, when I was in school, I worked for a costume jeweler and then I worked for some silversmiths and then I worked for a goldsmith um, where I would file castings all day until my fingers bled at the end of the day, but that's how you learn. I polished, I got really good at polishing and anybody who knows me knows that I love shiny things. So, um, <laughs> so that's where that came from. And then from there, I had to make some decisions of what I wanted to do. And I decided that I wanted to go out to the Gemological Institute out in California and study gemstones. Um, I did have a minor in art history. And so while I was out there, I determined that I really liked learning more about the history of the gemstones than I did actually grading <laughs> the gemstones. So, but I did it and that was fun. And then I started, again, I was, I just worked my way up. I was working for jewelers um, and then I started teaching. And actually I was teaching while I was at the Art Institute. I was like a substitute and whatnot. And then I started teaching and I was teaching out of my studio. And then I was teaching at an art center. I started teaching at an art center. I was there for 28 years here in Chicago and I started just as teaching. And then I became their director of the department. And then I became one of the directors like their education director, director of the art center. And so then uh, last year, as it was a big change for everybody, there was some big changes for me. Um, at that point, I had already started working for the Furniture Society, and then I decided to, it was time to open my own studio, and that's where we are now at Garnet Studios. <laughs> um, and so I have my own studio here where I have rentals and um, bench spaces for teaching, and I have my own space and trying to get a little of my work done. So that is not the elevator pitch of my life, but it is the progression from how I started to where I am now. So the synopsis sort of. Wow. And <laughs> what, I mean, it's fascinating to me because I'm like, right, there's like a dozen things I want to ask about <laughs> just off of that last, you know, five minutes. 
Um, but thank you for sharing in there. You know, it sounds like you've been just a creative person your whole life. But then also, I love that you uh, talked about falling in love with the history of gemstones more so than doing it. I can definitely relate to that. I like history stories, the culture of things. So no surprise that um, you're now working for the Furniture Society as well, doing, you know, amazing work, you know, education, all the programming that you do there too. You, you seem to be as talented of an artist as you are. Like you seem very much, um, you seem very passionate about the administrative side of things, which is rare to find, I think, in creative people. Um, yeah, you know, there's always that stigma of, you know, they say that those who do, or what is it, those who teach can't make, it's not true. Um, I think that you have that person and there's a lot out there and then there's a lot that aren't, but that um, who make and learn and always wanna learn and wanna share their passion. And I'm one of those people. I think that it's important to educate anybody in what I do, right? And how I got here and that it wasn't handed to me. I worked very hard to get where I am today um, and that anybody can do it. I've taught eight-year-olds how to solder. Um, I've taught 85-year-olds how to solder. Actually, my oldest student uh, was in his early 90s and he would tinker, but you know, he had been making jewelry for a very, very long time. Um, but I've got kids doing it. And I think if you, you know, anybody can do it, you know, so it just sometimes takes a little bit longer, but because I love it so much and I can't imagine doing anything else. Right. I mean, maybe another medium and whatnot, but I love experimenting, but I think it's important to share that passion with other people because how do they know that they don't have it if they don't try it. Right. So, and that's, I think why I got into the administrative side is to have that opportunity to share what I do and to share it with other people and to make people understand, you know, give them the opportunities, give them the, um, the classes, give them the workshops, give them the, um, you know, whatever to be able to, to do, uh, to make, right? So I'm not a Absolutely. fan of all of the emails that I have to send, but for the most part, <laughs> that's, that's the downside to administrators. Okay. As, a, as a maker, as a maker, it's very hard to sit on the computer and send emails all day. And just as a little side note, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, I'm so tired of Zoom. I love it. I've got, you know, the big E branded on my forehead. I am an extrovert. And so being around people is always fun. So at least I get to see people. Um, but I get why it's so tiring. Anyway, that was a little side thing. Sure. So, no, that's, yeah. that's awesome. And so back to the whole, you know, teaching thing, you're absolutely right that it's not, you know, that those that teach can't make. Oftentimes, you know, the instructors have just such a wealth of knowledge. And how do you put a value on that? I really, I don't enjoy that aspect, that, you know, kind of competition thing that people try to put on there sometimes. Um, right. But you're, you're right. It seems like there's, a, you know, um, either some sort of social practice or teaching. Um, people want to share what they know and, and we love what we do. So it, it just comes very natural to want to share that I would, I would feel. So how, how long have you, it sounds like you've been teaching for quite a long time. How long have you been teaching yourself out of the space you're in currently? 
um, in this space. So I've been in the space uh, for a year now and I have been teaching for about six months or so here. It took me a while to get everything together. And then, so I, I've started with one class and really it's uh, a lot of students that I had that were at the um, intermediate to advanced level or beyond advanced level. And so really it's guided time. And then after the new year, sometime in January, I will start, I'll have three classes and I have four benches so that people can come and work and they can rent bench time. They can, you know, have guided studio time. They can, and then I'll have classes where I'm actually teaching um, uh, eventually maybe some beginners and then, you know, we'll go from there. Wow. Well, that's, um, and it, cause it looks like you have a ton of space in there and sounds like a very um, good structured way to start your own kind of school, your own teaching practice, right. you know, yeah. um, having students that have some experience that you can, you know, you don't have to be watching or, you know, helping constantly, you know, like with beginners, I, when I was learning this ladder, I felt like there was only four of us in the class and I still felt like I was hogging the instructor all the time, you know, am I doing this right? And so, um, but you have but a that's great- That's what the instructor is there for and that's what you're paying them for, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, it's, would you say you have like maybe four or five students at the most, probably? Four students at the most. I four only have four students. bench spaces. So okay. four students at a time. And I love that. I love having, it's better than having one because then it, they, they work off of one another. So they feed off of one another, yeah. right? And then maybe someday it'll grow, but I'm very happy with a small space. And then I've got, like I said, I've got seven renters. So sometimes they're here working wow. as well and then they can ask questions off of them so yeah it's great that I mean you've got your own you know studio right. business right. yeah that's amazing I yeah I, I, I feel very fortunate <laughs> <laughs> anytime anytime I already um, kind of do <laughs> <laughs> right you do which you know I love that aspect of my life too is you know working for the furniture society is has been pretty incredible so well, let's take um, it back to your creative practice. You know, speaking about growth, that's a good segue. Um, it's funny, painting, I feel like it's kind of like the entryway to all things creative. And that's just a way that a lot of us, I think, I, I'm really sad that art isn't emphasized as much in schools as it was because it was, because it was painting and art class that was my first, like, I love this. Like, I love art. I can just, you know, like having that exposure. So um, for you, you know, was there a formative moment that you were like, okay, this is, you know, exactly what I'm going to do? Or would you feel that your journey has been a little bit more fluid? Um, you know, I, I know you, you're a very organized person. So I, I'm dying to hear, you know, how you approach this. Um, it's so funny because some people would say that I'm definitely not organized, but I am <laughs> in certain aspects of my life. More than um, me, at least. <laughs> Well, I have to be, I have to be with work. I have to be organized. Um, no, um, you know, I would say that turning point when I was, when I was in high school, I mean, I've always had like, I, you know, my, apparently when I was really little, my mom had bought like one of those plastic, those small plastic um, wheels for ceramics. And I used to throw little tiny things on there when I was like four or five. Um, and then I'd always done art classes, always. Um, anywhere, any school, I was always like, I want to be in an art class. I want to be in an art class. And I know it sounds weird. I, 
I wouldn't say that I'm like any Michelangelo, but I enjoyed it and I had fun. And I love the experimental part of it. I love the science side of it. Um, so I would say, you know, I did it all through grade school and then I got to high school. And then, like I said, you know, there was all this equipment and it was like, Ooh, what's that? And learning how to enamel and learning how to cut into metal, it like changed me. I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, and, and it was a different way to get my hands dirty. Um, it was a different way to work with, with equipment. And there are ways to combine all the loves of, you know, all my loves of art. Um, and so, like I said, that when I was choosing a college, it was based on who had enameling in their program. And so of the schools that I applied to and got into, I decided to come back to the Art Institute. I really liked, I mean, they were a painter school, right? So I was like, oh yeah, I'll go paint and I'll do enamel. And then I ended up living practically in the basement, which is where the sculpture department is, or was, is, is. Um, and I basically lived down there for four years and it was amazing. It was an incredible experience. <clears throat> I had mentors who really pushed me and pushed me to push myself. And so that I, high school is to answer your question. I know I'm like, you know, going off tangent a little bit, but um, high school was really that turning point of when I got to experience different mediums other than painting, drawing and ceramics, which is all I knew. Right. Right. So. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And that exposure, um, I, I think that's what drives all of us that especially work in arts education and, you know, things like that is just getting that exposure. You know, that's even just here, you know, in South Carolina and exposing my kids and things to, to different things. Um, I just think about the children out there that they would never know, you know, because no one's taking the time to say, hey, you know, let's let's learn painting or let's learn this or, you know, just that exposure is so crucial. And like we've said, like it, it leads to so much more. It's such a it can be such a lifelong path full of discovery that um, it doesn't have to right. just it, it's kind of just opening the door. Right. And I will add to um, uh, that. I had a friend who used to teach in underserved neighborhoods and she was a reading specialist. And it was very important to her that the kids in, this, in these areas learn how to read and we did ballroom dancing with them. But one of the things is that I used to go in and I'd volunteer and we would do enameling and I'd slap my kiln and anybody who knows that like understands I would slap my kiln and my enamels and we would do wire wrapping. And I had a friend who had a bead store and they would donate beads and I would do this with the kids and they, loved it right because they didn't have art really I mean they got to draw themselves but they didn't understand other aspects that there was more right and right. so so that is really really important to me um and so I I hope to do more of that someday right now we're working on it so we're getting there oh well that's awesome so Let's yeah. transition a little bit. I would love to hear more about your passion for gemstones, especially history. How did you, how did you get sucked in there? <laughs> oh my God, they're, they're small and shiny and sparkly and, and I not? love them. And <laughs> um, I, I don't know, actually, it's not even so much the, um, well, I mean, I love the, you know, the 
sapphires and amethysts and rubies and you know diamonds and I actually like the colored stones even more you know the the different colors of garnets and um you know that there's there's just a spectrum of colors but what was even more interesting is these jaspers and agates and um, other stones that have different colors to them there's so many different variations and where they come from across the country and across the world and I would have stone dealers come in and to sell their wares and they were the cutters um, or the sellers and they would just the more I saw the more excited I got Right. And so also being at GIA, like I said, you know, at the end of every day, you know, you'd be sitting all day and you're grading these teeny tiny 1.1 millimeter smaller than one millimeter diamonds and or gemstones. And it's like, <laughs> and then we would like every day there would be something on the screen and they would talk about some famous piece. And I'm like, I want to hear more of that. Right. So, um, yeah. So, and I, you know, when I was teaching more classes, I would try and incorporate a little bit of history because I think that that's important. It's not just about the teaching of the technique. I think that people need to know that like when we cast something and I have a centrifugal casting machine that we didn't come up with this, the Egyptians, you know, they were really good engineers and architects. They came up with this technique of casting that we still use today and that was how many thousands of years ago i mean so so stuff like that and people are like oh that's really cool and i think i think when you teach a little background or a little history about something that people have a better understanding and a better appreciation for it so but as far as gemstones i mean uh, i don't know they're just so delicious right you do want to eat sure. them you just want to like, Ooh, you do. like is it wrong to say that i want to like roll around in a big vat of gemstones i mean it would probably hurt but Scrooge you know. McDuck style, I would go <laughs> just like right on in there. Right, I'm yeah. gonna go head first. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's all that's amazing. Um, no, um, I, yeah. I, this is taking me back to um, my first visit to the Smithsonian as a kid and like seeing the Hope Diamond and just being, you know, that's something that everybody knows. That was all I, you know, had really been exposed to at the time. And I was just like completely blown away by that and um yeah it's hard not right. to get get sucked into that so what is your favorite do you have a favorite like historical piece or kind of like famous piece that you're like ah oh, that's like that's one of my top five right there you know that oh you gosh. just really like um well I'm actually it's funny because I'm actually looking at a poster that I have from when I was at the Smithsonian and it's of um diamonds that were cut in the alphabet and so it's yeah so each one is cut in, into like it was done by a company in new york but they they cut the diamonds at the whole alphabet and i thought that would make a super fabulous necklace um and actually if we made a necklace for a friend and they were made out of buttons and we cast them in silver so but yeah that but i would say like things like i mean i love the the history and the lore of the the hope diamond but then there's like the taylor burton diamond and you know the stories about how she used to just like throw it for her dog to play with it or something like that. You know, I mean, um, I, I, I don't have one favorite because they're all special in their own way, just like your children, right? Well, maybe you do have a favorite, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell. You're too funny, you're too funny. Um, but I, you know, there, there's so many great things. Like, I, I, you know, there's, there's a whole, 
there's lots of stories about, you know, the jewelry that's worn on people throughout history and, and, you know, men were first wore pearls and it was a sign of, of, um, you know, how much money they had, a sign of wealth, right? And the more and the bigger they had, the more wealthy they were. And so if you look in old paintings, you're at a museum and you, you go and you look and you'll see that they're wearing, you know, these pearls or that, you know, like, um, Oh my gosh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, you know, thingies. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I can't think of it now. <laughs> it's it's a. I mean, it's like a brooch, a pin, but it's yes, it's got a ribbon. Yes. It's got a ribbon on it, but it usually has metal on it, and it's got diamonds in it or gemstones. And um, anyway, but if you look, if next time you go to a museum, most people are just looking at the painting as the painting. I am looking at like, oh, what are they wearing? What is she wearing? And you know, they've strategically placed their hands so like you know, that the ring is facing out oh, so that you see the everything. Right, exactly. yeah. Again, a sign of wealth. So, um, yeah. Anyway, um, so that, you know, that is, I, there's, I don't have one favorite. Um, but I, like I said, I love, I love the history. And, and the more I can find out about something, the more excited I get. So I'm going to break it apart. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, would you say, <clears throat> my question is, you know, why did you decide to go with the custom route with your own work, which for me, of course, when you're doing all these other, you know, volunteer administrative teaching sort of things that really does limit the amount of time you're able to completely, you know, give to a collection or, you know, traveling across the country to do shows and things like that. Would love right. to hear your decision. You know, what was behind that decision to go sure. the route you went? Yeah, it's super easy. It's a really easy story. Um, in the early years of when I started making and I was out of school and I was, you know, wanting to sell, I'm going to be an artist and I'm going to sell my work and I'm going to make lots of money and I'm going to live off my artwork, right? Because that's what they teach you at art school. Um, and so I was doing some smaller art fairs and I have a pretty thick skin. But after a while, it wears you down listening to people going, I can, you know, why is it so expensive, right? And they don't understand. Or like, you know, I can buy that at Target. I don't think there was Target back then, but whatever. Um, but like, you know, I can get that cheap. And they're just like, they don't understand, right? And you're there to educate them. So it was a lot of doing that. And then just the, the physical aspect. I also had to go from like, you know, doing the art shows where you could just set up a table with some cases on top of a table. And this was many years ago. Um, and then it was, okay, I either need to jump and start doing the higher end art fairs with the bigger setups in the booth, and, or I go custom. And I really enjoyed, I decided not to go the art fair route. I decided to go custom. And the reason is I got to work with clients and I really was able to sit, I would sit and talk with them. What are they like? What do they like? What are they looking for? Why are they coming to me? And how can I make them something that they're gonna love for the rest of their life, right? Whether it is taking their grandmother's old diamond or someone is buying an engagement ring or I'm making uh, commitment rings uh, or whatever, right? So uh, it was working with the client and that made me really happy. Now. On that note, custom is not for everybody. Uh, it's very difficult when you have someone that you have 
made exactly what they wanted and they don't like it. And that, and, and that's across anything, right? It's, I'm not. Yeah, oh yeah. We've had that, that with furniture. I mean, it's, it's crushing right. in a special way. It is. You've made me exactly what I asked for, but I don't like it. Take it back. I want my money back. No, no. So, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, when, when I do a lot of consulting as well for people who uh, are just starting out or they're, they want to, they've been making and they want to get their business going, whatever, um, is that, you know, you, you are valuable, first of all, and you have a value. Your time is money. And you should also get a dep non-refundable deposit. It should be in writing, um, have people sign it, you know, and, and there's a whole other legal aspect to it. I'm not going to really get into it, but uh, it's, it's important to do that. And I will say I, I've had one person who almost made me quit making jewelry. And then I was like, I'm not going to let this person get the best of me. And, but I will, I tell that story all the time. So um, I did make some adjustments to their, the piece. I did charge them for it because it's my time and I made them exactly what they asked for. So anyway, so that's why, and then, you know, but that I didn't let that get me down. Right. It's like, well, should I go back to doing art fairs? No. Right. I'm still going to do custom and nine out of 10 people are happy hopefully 10 out of 10. But if you have nine out of 10, of course, that one is always going to be the one that you remember. But sure. I am a, as you know, I'm a pretty positive person. And I'm going to try and remember that those nine people are super happy and I made them happy and they liked the work and they came to me for a reason. So, and that's why, and I still do custom work to this day. Um, I still have clients who come to me because I'm a small business. I can make them what they hopefully want. Um, it's a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship versus just walking into a store and buying something. So, I mean, I can get them that if that's what they want, but the whole reason they're coming to me is because I'm gonna make them something special. And hopefully every time they look it down, they, they've designed it and we've worked together on it. So it has even more meaning than, you know, let's say using a family heirlooms or something to melt down the gold and reuse the diamonds and, or gemstones or whatever they're using, so. Right. No, I, I love that. And this is, it's such an interesting conversation. Um, you know, coming from the furniture side of things, I could absolutely, I mean, what great advice to just even be sharing here on the podcast for anybody, whether you're going to be a jeweler, a furniture maker, you know, metalsmith, what have you. Um, and especially right. I would think in your situation, it's so important to protect yourself as a maker. You know, we want to believe the best in everyone. We are here because we love what we do. It's a positive thing. And like you just described, we want to share that. And um, there's always, like you said, there's always going to be one person that, that really sticks out in your mind. But I really appreciate you being so honest about that because um, I can only imagine, you know, you know, coming from a woodworking side, like, okay, you have your materials, but really, you know, it's your time and effort that really pouring it, you know, pouring into that and to have such a high upfront cost for, uh, I, I'm sure it's, you know, but um, looping back around to the, to the custom route, I, I think it's very interesting that you went that direction because you do love stories and you're getting the story from your customers, you're getting what they want and you're helping continue their story in such a, a pivotal and like special way. And that's, that's really beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good. And it, yeah, it's, it's learning a little bit about them, you know, so you have 
kind of a historical aspect to it, right? And then I'm sharing stories with them, right? So I may look at their stone, right? So let's say, for example, they, they inherited something and they want to make something out of it. I'm able to look at their stone, grade it, and then show them and tell them more about their stone. Maybe, I, I mean, I can't tell them where it came from, but um, I can tell them like the history of, of where some were grown or how, what happens in the earth or, you know, whatever. I mean, and then if they tell me the story of how their, you know, grandmother or their grandfather gave it to their grandmother, right? I have pieces of my, from my own family that I, I really treasure because they, there's some good stories there. You know, someone owed somebody something and they went to go shake them down and they gave them some jewelry and I now have it. So I love the, I love that whole <laughs> aspect of it, but it's good, right? Um, You've got pirate gold. You, you do, don't you? <laughs> secret hey makers today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com at toolmomstore.com you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders all sizes they've got mugs they've got shirts all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout if you enter the code maker mom you will get a 20 percent discount off any of the merchandise that you buy so that's just toolmomstore.com all right let's head back into the action <laughs> so but anyway yeah so it's it's um yeah i love i love hearing their stories and and do in doing so i think can help me create a piece you know it's not everybody understands how like you know an artist will understand you know somebody starts talking about something you have the visual in your head right and somebody tells a story you're watching a movie right or somebody you're um an audiobook right and i know for me so they start talking about it and they're giving me the history of what like the background i'm visualizing like right i'm while i'm there so when i have a client who's telling me about the the piece that they have they want to take it apart we're going to melt down and reuse and recycle the material the gold or the silver or whatever it is and then we're going to reuse the stones and they're telling me how it, i love the history and i'm like well and and that aids in the design right because maybe the stones okay this is gonna sound weird but the stones tell me where they want to be Right. right. So it's, I mean, they don't actually talk to me, but they, but there's just a, a I don't know. It's, it, it's hard to describe. And I think many artists will understand this. It's you just, you just know, right. It's yeah. just part of the story. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, you, and looking at a stone, I totally get it. Cause I can say, yep, that's, you know, it needs to be set this this way or this way to make it look as beautiful as possible. And I totally feel you. I, I hear you, hear you on that one. No. Um, I mean, I, I would imagine that people looking at, sorry, I would imagine that like people in, in the wood world, you know, they, they look at a, um, the grain on the wood. Right. And it absolutely that will tell you like, okay, I want to be this way. I want to be this way. Cut me this way. Attach me here, make me into this. 
stain me, whatever, whatever it's going to be like, you know, you look at it and I hear this all the time being in that world as well is that, you know, they're like the, the tree, I saw a tree or I saw this, this piece of wood and I just knew I had to have it. It's the same thing, right? It's just a different material. So. Um, absolutely. And it's, it, it, I think it is so important to, to listen to your material, no matter what it is, because yeah, thank you for framing it that way, because I can tell when someone clearly had a design in mind rather than trying to design around a, a piece of, of wood or lumber. Um, and not that it's, it's bad or anything, but sometimes you can feel that disjointedness in the material versus the design. So, um, so yeah, I, it's very interesting to hear that that can transcend mediums. <laughs> it does. So it definitely does. So moving into furniture now, how did you get involved in the Furniture Society? <laughs> Snuck my way in, um, <laughs> right? Um, so I was on the board of the Society of North American Goldsmiths, otherwise known as SNAG. And we were looking for a new education director and someone that we work with, who's uh, my very dear friend, knew. Monica Hampton, who is our executive director for the Furniture Society and an amazing person. But Monica started working at SNAG and my job on the board was to plan conferences. And it was my full-time free job. And it was a lot of hours. And Monica and I just meshed really well and we worked really well and we put together two, three conferences. Two, I don't know, I did it for like four years. And so, um, and then she left snag and then what was it back in 2019, I also gotten off the board and was doing it. And now I'm on the board of the women's jewelers association. But, uh, so she started working for the furniture society when there was a different executive director and she was in the education anyway. So things shifted and they were looking for a little, someone who could be a little bit more permanent. I was looking for some part-time work. And I was like, it just timing matched really well. And again, we've worked really well together. So she called me, we talked about it, I guess they, whatever they did, you know, with the board. And then next thing I know, September of 2019, I'm starting to work for the Furniture Society and I loved it. And here I am. So two years later, gosh, yeah, two years later. Uh, and then hopefully, hopefully we'll have the conference next year. Um, no. but yeah, but, but we work really well together and we work really close. We have a lot of the same ideas. We, we bounce things off of one another. Um, she's an amazing person, as you know, but she's also a really incredible leader and has great ideas. And, um, yeah. And I think that that's what makes us match. So it's a, I, you know, who knew I would end up working for the furniture society, but I think also working for a nonprofit or being on the board of a, of a member based educational, uh, nonprofit that it does, again, it doesn't matter the medium it's the experience and bringing also my background in putting together conferences and, and working with people and being a people person and so on and so forth that, that it was just a natural fit. So I feel very lucky. And I've met so many amazing people and I'm not just saying that, I truly, truly <laughs> mean it. Um, and the, I cannot wait to actually meet people in person as opposed to just on Zoom because you know I feel like I know everybody and I'm gonna get to a conference and it's gonna be so much fun, I just can't wait. So yeah, 
so that's that was my my road to the furniture society uh, and i can testify to how amazing it is to work with you and monica i there's i mean i look forward to our planning meetings i always walk away you know with something to think about or even just in a better mood like you both have taught me so much just in the past year and so i'm really excited to keep working with y'all and um i i'm the conference man i'm i feel like my entire women of woodworking project you know it's been going since um you know before the pandemic but it's kind of always had this virtual element to it and i've been wanting to find like there's got to be an event there's got to be something that we can all get together and it's great that we formed this affinity group because now I feel like that's finally going to happen at this conference that I'm finally going to get to meet all of these amazing people in this community that we've built over the past couple of years. And um, yeah, and I just know if you and Monica are at the helm, it's gonna be awesome. So well, I'm ready to get yeah. to work. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's a lot of work, um, but it's a lot of fun and it's very gratifying when you see things come together and hopefully, you know, I think people are going to be excited to be able to come together in person and safely um, uh, and, and enjoy the experience. So. Absolutely. It has to happen. It has to happen. We, I need this. <laughs> <laughs> we need this. Right. We've been good. Um, Right. No, and and like I said, like the connections that I've made, you know, working with y'all in this group, um, it would I know it would just be a ton of fun and such an inspiring bunch to be around, which brings me to my last question. Um, even though it's the Furniture Society, um, as much as I would love to see like a gemstone table, holy cow, we got to get one of these like gazillionaires to get you to make a gemstone table or something crazy like that that would be awesome but um has there been any anything specific through your work at the furniture society or even just administrative work in general uh you know if you branch that out a little bit further that you've been able to pull into the creative side of your craft and kind of the making side of things um yeah what's that been like um it's been really good and and I've, it's given me some great ideas of what I can do with how I can incorporate wood into my work. Um, I have, so this year uh, has been a little bit challenging for me personally, but uh, I was part of a Instagram challenge. We had the furniture Instagram ones, but um, uh, for my jewelry making and it was link chains and I'm a little behind on posting, but um, the, uh, you know, so I was, I decided I was going to make bracelets every month. And someone actually Zeke Leonard had sent me some piano keys and I took them apart and I started playing with the wood and oh my gosh, I was like, oh my God, I love this. Probably not on a bigger scale, but like, so how, and I was like, well, how can I make settings for these? So I started that and hopefully I'll get it finished eventually and I'll post it. But um, yeah, who knows? I mean, I can definitely see incorporating wood into my metal pieces. I, I wouldn't, I can't see myself switching mediums completely. I love working with metal. I love the way it, you can melt it. I love the way you can bend it. I love the way you can texture it. I love that you can add things to it. I mean, just the medium itself, you know, and 
yes, I might end up with bloody hands at the end of the day, but it's totally worth it. Um, <laughs> but like taking, you know, I don't want to do something like your like Morgan Hilda's, right? And or some other artists. And I actually have an artist here in the space who does work with wood and metal as well. And I can see doing it from a different perspective that hopefully something that hasn't been done before. So it's it's exciting. I love, I've always loved wooden jewelry and I have a whole new appreciation for how things are turned and how things are um, cut and filed and finished. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see like, you know, where can I take that? How can I use it? What can I do in my own work? Um, Cause I didn't always just make jewelry and I still sometimes will do larger pieces. Like, and here's the thing is that collaborating, right? Like how, how can I collaborate? Um, every now and then I collaborate with a glass artist friend of mine who does glass, these amazing glass sculptural beads. She's, Amy LaMare is her name. You should look her up. I should definitely say her <laughs> name. There. But she, she and I will collaborate every now and then. And she makes these. So how can I, how can I, you know, take what I've learned from working at the Furniture Society and the people that I've met and the work that they create and the technical and the knowledge that I've learned just from creating these, these virtual experiences and sessions that we've had um, and how can I bring that into my own work? And so I think that that's something that I will definitely explore over the next couple of years. Um, again, being at a conference and seeing people will probably motivate and inspire. Um, you know, I'm trying to find that next thing. You know, I'm, I'm definitely the type of person that I am not, here's the other thing, let me just back up for a second. Like, you know, why did I go from art fairs to custom is, when I was making, and if you're making the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, for me, I am not like after a while, it's like, okay, this is a job and I'm bored. And so I need something different. I am a, I'm a hardcore Aquarian, right? So I am like, I need change is good. Um, I need something new and exciting but to also bring in what I've done. So I don't just don't want to skip and do something new. I want to like, I want to see how can this Build. incorporate with here and so on and so forth. So, so we'll see, we shall see what 2022 and beyond brings when it comes to my practice. Well, I'm excited because wood and metal, you know, they, there's so many similarities, even though you think they're like, and they are completely different mediums, but- um, A lot of they, the same tools though. Yes. Yes. So, um, and lots of, lots of ways to incorporate that into your work. And so, yeah, I, I can't wait. I got to go look up your friend too. Cause I, I would love to see the collaboration that uh, you and Amy did as well. Yeah, um, she's the given, glass. She's, yeah. She's given me some pieces. Um, she's, she actually just had a piece um, acquired by the Mad Museum in New York. So I'm really proud of her, but uh, yeah. So some pieces that she's made and I've made into some jewelry. So Someday I'll get that. They, I, those might be, uh, I don't know. No, I'm really bad at posting. I'm really bad <laughs> at updating my website. So yeah, someday. Okay, that'll be, a, that'll be my 2022. I don't make resolutions, but maybe that'll be my 2022 goal is to update everything, start posting again and get, put myself out there because I'm really bad at it. <laughs> You're that's sending too many emails. You're, that's what you're I'm sending doing. too you're many emails. You're drowning in emails. <laughs> right. Did you hear that, Monica? I'm sending too many emails. <laughs> oh, she's going to kill me on Monday. 
Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so there's, there's that, that's what I hope to, I love it. I don't know. It's fun. And again, the people are super nice. I, metalsmiths and woodworkers are, they're different. They're definitely different, but they're, you know, there's a lot of similarities. And like I said, the tools, right. Yeah. When Aspen, you know, was showing all those tools and I was like, oh, drooling right for the, her toolbox, um, project. I'm like, oh yeah, I could use that. I've got tools here people could use. So, you know, awesome. Anyway. Yeah. The tool envy. Sometimes you like see a tool and you're like, I don't know what I need that for, but I just, you know, <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, and here's the thing. I don't know about you. Like I have a lot of tools and I've been given a lot of tools and I have some um, tools that I'll never use because they have sentimental value and they're very old and they came from these incredible collections that have to do with Chicago metalsmithing history and so on and so forth. Um, but I use the same tools. Like I have lots of them and I might have a job where I, oh, I'm so glad I have that other tool, but then that I'll use it once during however many, you know, years. And, but I'm glad I have it because I might need it, but I use the same ones. And, I, and, you know, I don't know if like you or your husband or other woodworkers, like, you know, do you use the same planer? Do you use the same chisel? Do you use the same tool? You know, like, I don't know. Um, so I think a lot of us are similar in that aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Like we definitely have our, our favorite tools. You know, you, you obviously always want to have the tools that for, you, you need for the job. Like you described, like, I'm really glad that we have that. Um, but we do tend to reach, you know, for the same, I've at least to reach for the, the same chisel or the same mallet or, you know, um, things that are, are familiar. So while it is fun to like, do different things and have have variety um yeah you definitely form that connection you know it, it, like me like i have super bonded to this really old crappy stanley chisel that you know joe had floating around the shop and it's mine now it's mine i i don't know why but you're just like I, that's mine you know you 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 bond <laughs> right i have that way with hammers Right. Or uh, I have, I can see that. you know, I've, they fit really nicely in your hand or they're worn down. So uh. that it, right. And then, um, I have specific stone setting tools when I'm setting and I love to tube set stones and I love to make settings and bezel. I, I love, I don't know. I just love it. Um, and doing that fine detail, um, probably really important to have the right, right tool. Right. You know, and there's stones that I'll may never set. I just like having them. They're just pretty. Every now and then you take them out, you roll them around between your thumb and your forefinger and, you know, just play with them Make a little happy. bit. And then you put them back in there. You're right. You put them back in their little package and, you know, they go back to sleep. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm crazy, but it's true. So and uh, no, because I'm thinking about the racks of whole trees we have <laughs> out in uh, you know like right. no, I, I I get it you just get drawn right. to that material and um and sometimes it's just leaving it alone is just enough to keep you going and right. put it put it back how it was how lovely and if I can share that crazy that little bit of crazy of myself with someone else hopefully they'll find that same love it might not be for the same item but that they have found a love for making right so you know and again I'm sharing like why do why do you like that gemstone why do you like working in 
18 karat gold versus 14 karat gold, right? Why do you like working in this material? Why do you like that hammer? You know, so if you, if you share those things with other people, there's no secrets, right? So right. in the early, you know, people used to be like, I can't, you know, I spent all this time developing this. Like, I, I get it, right? But there's no secrets, right? Everything came from somewhere. And so you have to share that to, to let it live on, right? And let people find their own voice using that technique, using that tool, whatever it ends up being. And hopefully they will love it as much as you do. So. Absolutely. Yes. It's all about that, that feeling, that joy that you get from making, you know, whether it's cutting metal or, you know, cutting wood, um, it's, it, it just emphasizes how important it is that we find that thing that really spark something inside of us so right. pun intended <laughs> yes my torches are back there too there so yes fire well, does that make this, me a pyromaniac i don't know so yeah i love I, yeah i don't know i just love i i feel very fortunate i am very lucky that i'm it took me a long time to get here but i'm at this point in my life where i can do what i love Right. I mean, I, yeah, I have this other job working for someone that I really enjoy working for and a group of people that are amazing and I'm getting to know better and they're so much fun. Um, but that I still can come here and make and play or sit and look around or draw or do whatever I want. I've got this amazing space that I share with other people and, you know, it, yeah, I feel very, very fortunate. I know how lucky I am every day. I know how lucky I am so that I, that I can have this, you know, and that I can pass it along to someone else. So. Absolutely. And sharing your experiences might help some of us that are just getting into it say, okay, you know, like this can be done. This can be done because there's a lot of moments. Everybody feels, am I, am I doing the right thing? Should I keep going? And Pam is a perfect example of, <laughs> you know, when you don't give up, you can accomplish great things. And I'm just continually impressed by what you can do in a day, how many emails you can send in a day, especially, <laughs> but like on top of all, you know, you just, yeah. I, I'm not sure how you would, and Monica both quite do it, but thank you for sharing, you know, any of your knowledge with me and uh, sharing community with us here. And thank you so much for coming on, on the podcast as well. When I knew I was, all right, now I can talk about any craft. I'm getting Pam in here. <laughs> Yay! No, this was fun. And when you asked me, thank you again. When you asked me, I was like, okay. I mean, again, it's all about, I'm happy to share what I do and what my knowledge is. And I love I've really like only in the past year really kind of gotten into podcasts as a lot of people have. And so I love the craft ones and we try and share those actually, I don't know, maybe in next week's email, I'll put them in, but it's fun to listen to how other people, you know, make and what inspires them and what they like to do and how they share their knowledge and why they make what they do. Right. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun. So I, I was excited when you asked, because I'm like, you know, on, on one level, it was like, why me? And then on the other level, it was like, well, I get to share a little bit of me with a lot of other people who don't know me. So, so that's good. And that's what I like to do. So yeah. So there it is. Amazing. <laughs> so fun. Well, how can people uh, get in touch with you, see more of your work? 
Give us the deets. So, right. So I, as I said before, I'm going to work really hard to get stuff up and running. I do have some things on my Instagram page, which is Rotolite, and I spell it differently than, so Rotolite is actually a, um, a shade of a garnet, uh, and it's, I spell it R-H-O-D-A-L-I-T-E. I did that specifically. So it's Rotolite 44 is my Instagram. I also have one for Garnet Studios, which is the studio here. It's Garnet under slash or underscore uh, studios. I will do my best. I think there's only three posts there. And then I had a little, you know, social media meltdown, but we're going to work hard on that. Um, I do have a website, Pam Robinson Design. You got to search deep for it. That has some old that I made some kinetic pieces, some of my bigger pieces. Um, so yeah, so that's how people can get a hold of me. They can also um, email me at, uh, I have lots of emails, but we'll say garnetstudioschicago at gmail.com. And, you know, or they can also get a hold of me at the Furniture Society. They go to the fernsock.org, F-U-R-N-S-O-C.org website and go to the staff page you can email me directly from there as well and then i'll hook you over to my private emails and whatnot so am i supposed to be promoting myself to the furniture society i don't know so you can <laughs> both it's both. um that's the easiest way you know they can like I said they can go on instagram and uh or try finding you know the website so i do actually have a facebook business page which is pam robinson design that has not been updated so yes uh, you know, a little slap for not, but I'll get there. It's a lot, you know, as I, most of my maker friends know, you know, that especially now that posting and trying to promote yourself on social media is just as much of a job as it is the making aspect. And where do you find that balance? And right now, social media, for me, social media has taken a little backseat to trying to get my business up, trying to get students in here, trying to start making, trying to, trying to find that balance, which is really, can be very challenging between work and trying to have a little bit of a life and enjoy. We're going into my favorite season in Chicago, which most people don't like, but I was born in a blizzard. So I feel like I was bred for this. Um, <laughs> yeah, that 27 inch blizzard. I'm not going to date wow. myself, but some of you will know what it was. But, um, uh, so I, I love the whole fall and winter. So I'm excited to get out and do things and, and then be in the studio and watch the snowfall. I'm battling on. So anyway, yeah. that's how people can get a hold of me. No, that's- Or come that's to Chicago wonderful. and come visit. Come visit me in Chicago. There's lots to do in the winter here. I was going to say, I, we've had to have crossed paths before at the one of a kind show. Um, yeah. December in Chicago. I mean, it's, it's just so special. And snowy and lights twinkling and um everybody in Chicago is is just so nice and friendly and I I've just it has always felt like a second home so as soon as I can get back up there I will I will come up there and we will we will hang out so please do please do and it's you know my studio is accessible so Yay. that's always yeah so I have a friend who is um in a chair and she was in like yeah the door's wide you can get right in it was all good so yeah so yeah that can be tr be tricky in in cities and and studios still trying to figure out um I, I'm, I'm not quite 
to the point and where I'm like going back to the woodworking school regularly, but I'm already like, okay, how many things am I going to run into whenever I go and like finally take my, my wheelchair and, and things yeah. like that. So, um, ha having accessible space and, um, just yeah. like you said, the, the studio and, and having that place for you to be able to go and, and sit and watch the snowfall and have your friends come and it's, it right. should be a good vibe happy it, place it is and we're all very happy i was in a space for 22 years a studio space and it was a raw space artist building i loved it but it was not accessible and we used to, i had to make a ramp for my friend to come so she can take classes but it was very raw and there were there were issues with you know it's the city we'll just go with that right you know urban it's it's a it's a problem you know. in every city. It's not something right. that's just oh no, it's not right, absolutely. <clears throat> um, and so now I'm in. I'm actually not in an artist building. I'm in a more of a commercial space, but I love it. And I think having people, you know, around here and in this. Well, nobody's here now, but you know, having people in the space and um, people to bounce ideas and talk to has been really great for me. Um, so yeah, it's been it's good. I love it. It's a, it's a, it's a good space to come to. I've got a thousand forty square feet here. Wow. So, yeah, and we're almost outgrowing it. Yeah, I want to have more students. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and you probably understand this. It's so easy to fill up. We while metalsmiths, I should say, like people who make jewelry versus blacksmiths, um, have smaller tools. There are some bigger ones, and then but. We have more of them, right? So there's a lot of them, they fill up more space versus big pieces of machinery. So um, right. I've done my best to set up the space as conducive as it can be for everybody to have their workspace and get up. It's important actually to not have everything right at your bench. You should get right. up and go to a different space to solder. You should get up and go to a different space to hammer. You should get up and go to a different space to go get things. You should not sit all day right sure. at one space and you're doing everything so it's it's important to keep moving around so mm -hmm. i need to practice what i preach but for the most part that you know <laughs> oh so anyway. well pam this was wonderful thank you so much i can't wait to to share this with the world and share more of pam but not too much not too much right. can't be taking pam away from us but oh. thank well, you yeah. again and thank uh you. yeah i'm gonna go answer some of your emails <laughs> yeah please do because there's a few in there I, I checked my email today I may not work for the furniture society on Fridays but you know I might have accidentally checked I can't help myself it's you know <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you so much Katie for the the opportunity and I can't wait to reciprocate and talk to you so but anyway this has been really great thank you so much for the I, I, yeah this has been fun and I know we could probably talk for like another five hours but we don't have the time so anyway all right thank you wonderful thank you Pam all right have a great weekend you too all right that was our interview with the amazing Pam Robinson I will include the links on where to follow Pam and the Furniture Society in the show notes for today's episode if you don't know where to find the show notes check out the podcast app you're listening on in the podcast description, there should be links there, or you can find it in the description box down below on YouTube, or you can head to freemanfurnishings.com backslash podcast and find this week's episode and past episode and links there too. 
Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe and follow. Head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review. We appreciate the support. Thank you again for the continued love and support of the podcast, as well as Pen and Chisel. Let's go craft a revolution.